Welcome back! Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. To another episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm doing fake radio voice. Uh, that's like that? nice. I, um, I'm not sure yet. Okay, we'll see if it grows on you. Like a mole or <laughs> some kind of <laughs> uh, unwanted uh, dermatological growth. Uh, I'm uh, Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. I am a Hufflepuff. I'm a Ravenclaw. And this is Broomsticks and Butterbeer, the chapter-by-chapter -chapter discussion of the Harry Potter books. Jess having read the books about 37 times, Ooh. and me making the journey through the Harry Potter saga for the first time. We are Noob. We are in <laughs> chapter two. I'm being bullied right now. Just reminds me of elementary school. We are in Chapter 2 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We have not quite gotten to Hogwarts in Year 3. We're having a hard time getting out of the house. Harry's got yeah. enough problems at the Dursley household to deal with, so to speak. So in the first chapter... More problems. Yeah, even actually. Mo more money, more problems. You of all Ooh. people should know that. Oh, I, I suppose so. <laughs> we are. Uh, <laughs> You're all over the place this I today. Am. I am. Too much sugar. I'm not feeling well. I think something's, something's wrong with me. <laughs> the in the first chapter, it was uh, just after midnight, so it's Harry's birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, we open chapter two. It is the day of Harry's birthday. Yeah. And we are at the kitchen for breakfast, and you wouldn't know it was if you didn't know from the book that it was his birthday. If you were in the kitchen, you would have no idea. Absolutely none. Because there's no, nobody else does. No mention of it. No hint of any kind of joyous occasion going on in the. Not even household. like mean occasion. Like they're not even like, ugh, it's your birthday again. Right. God. Right. Like. But it just it doesn't register to them at all. You just ignore, it doesn't exist. Ignore the problem; it'll go away. <laughs> but we are watching a little TV in the kitchen. Yes, we had to get a new TV for well, the kitchen. Dudley was too winded from walking back and forth from <laughs> the, the overexertion. The kitchen to the living room. Yes. So now he can stuff his face ad nauseum. And and not ever leave the kitchen. Yep. And there's a news report on the TV, Jessica. There is. About an escaped convict, armed and extremely dangerous, and uh, just named Black. Mm -hmm. So either that's the character's name, or British television is really racist. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even go there, but... Oh, I went yeah. there immediately. While I'm reading it, I'm like, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay, I know who they're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, how is this okay? <laughs> Why is this okay to talk like this in this children's book? Well, there were some. There was some language. There was uh, the B word was uh -huh. in this chapter that I, although it was not in reference to the inappropriate name calling way, it was it's more in reference to the dog breeding. But still, yeah, won't be uttered on this podcast because we are PG. <laughs> and I had to look up though. You know how. Uh, they use some British slang mm -hmm. in here, and I was just like, hmm, I wonder what that actually, the actual translation was mm -hmm. the equivalent for us, because it seemed like there was some language getting thrown around in this chapter. Sure. Anything pop into mind immediately? Because uh, well, other than the B word, I wasn't sure what you said were. ruddy. Oh, okay. Your ruddy letter. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of... Like called somebody like a tosser or something no. like that. No. <laughs> And then, um, 
I think he said damn too. And Ooh. I was just like, oh, I mean, just all, all right he there. He was uh, re- referring to a, uh, a group of uh, beavers that were building a structure, a structure to yes. block water so that they would be able yes. to have access to said I water. I think it was in the, another, the another news report after the. And another prisoner. news. <laughs> The those, beavers. Those beavers have taken over dam. the River Thames again. <laughs> built a, building an enormous water-blocking contraption. Everybody's going, I don't remember this part of the book. I think I'm going to have to reread. Yeah, it's in the uh, special edition. The special tar- edition. you got to get it from Target. Deleted chapters. So uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to throw that out there about <laughs> British television. I, it kind of caught me off guard for a second. But then when I saw that... Uh, the word was capitalized, capital yes. B. I said, all right, we're doing a proper noun here. Yeah. And I know, and I actually know that's who why, you're talking that's about. That's why punctuation is important, kids. But the chapter is called Aunt Marge's Big Mistake. And I guess Aunt Marge in this chapter, we'll get to it, but if we kind of look at the chapter title, she had a number of mistakes and they kind of just snowballed into basically... What? Ever would you mean, Daniel? Aunt Marge is a spectacular woman. Mm. Well, she is all about the up and up. I think that's uh, fake news. Oh, <laughs> depending on when you're uh, listening to this, uh, fake news. You might be listening to this ten years from when we record it. You might not know what it's not what, a thing anymore. What fake news is, but as we record this in 2019, uh, fake news is uh, something that's definitely in the the ether out there of pop culture. But Aunt Marge is coming to town. Which happens to be the worst birthday present here you could town. get. Aunt Marge is coming to town. For a week. Oh, my goodness. Not now, just a quick lunch and dinner visit. No, not a the, whole Not doing the drop-in. Week. And Harry has had some run-ins with Uncle Vernon's sister before, right? Yeah. You want to expound on some of those? Um, well, you know, she's Vernon's sister. She's kind of just like a duplicate of him, or maybe even a nastier version of him. Or maybe hers is all bottled up, so she's got to get it all out in her mm-hmm. visits. Yeah. She but doesn't get she, to do it throughout the year like yeah, Uncle Vernon does. <laughs> Vernon has to pace himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't. She, she really doesn't like Harry. Really doesn't like Harry. But there were some incidents in the past where she was like whacking him with a stick and sicked her dog on him. And well, he stepped on the dog, and the dog went after him. <laughs> but she didn't call him off, and Harry like had to climb a tree to get away from uh, what's his name. Uh, it was a strange name. I was kind of like, what? That's a started, started with weird R name for, for some reason. Weird name for a dog. Yeah. But yeah, so um, wouldn't call him off, and so Harry had to spend like the whole night in the tree, <laughs> so that he wouldn't get bit by yeah. this bulldog. Yeah, that's she's not a not a very nice lady, but it, it's important. Ripper. Ripper. Yeah, see, it did start Ripper. with an R. You're welcome. So I'm gonna give myself two points for Hufflepuff. Aww. I don't get ten points because I. Didn't you I only didn't know knew the, the first letter? The actual name, but I knew the first letter, so I'm gonna give myself dose points. But it's important to know that that Aunt Marge and Harry have had some run-ins in the past. But before we get into the story that the Dursleys and Harry 
are going to concoct in order to feed to feed Marge. It's already partially been fed. Basically, we don't want any sense of wizarding activity when Marge comes around. No. I wanted to talk about the, the point or the fact that Harry is noticeably more combative in this book. Than he has yeah. in the past. I mean, there's snarky comments. There's a lot of talking back. There's a lot of kind of mumbling things, mumbling little comments after Vernon gives him some kind of command. This is not the normal reserved kind of in your shell Harry that that will be that we've seen in the first two books. We had comments like. She's not coming here, is she? Or, I'll be nice if she's nice to me. I'll behave myself if she behaves. Yeah. Kind of laying the groundwork. I know she's not going to, so don't count on it. So this, this is things that, we, that Harry wouldn't even have dreamed of trying in the first two books. So what is with this new Harry? What is behind this this new attitude is is he more confident because of what he's been through at hogwarts is he just 13 years old now so teenage angst is starting to to kick in what what is with the new harry um it might be a little bit of everything but you know he has faced a dark lord twice now and I, just, I don't know. I guess the so d- Vernon Dursleys, is a little Dursleys less aren't that scary anymore. than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And he does have a little bit to hold over them. Um, you know, they don't really know that he's not allowed to do magic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's still... But, I mean, I guess they do know that he's not allowed to do magic, but they don't know that... He's not willing yeah. to do it. <laughs> he, he's still, yeah, they know he Just still could. Just because I'm not allowed to do it doesn't mean I won't turn you all into ducks. Yes. <laughs> Before I get my wand taken away from me. So that, Why that ducks? Just, that, I don't know. Okay. Just, just like random uh, animal that popped into my head. That's something that really stood out to me in this chapter. It's just like the little comments. You know, when in, in, the, in previous books, if... Mr. Dursley told Harry, you're going to do this when Aunt Marge shows up. He probably wouldn't have said anything at all, or he might have said, yes, sir, or or whatever. But he had a little comment. And Vernon kind of, I don't know if he's really caught off guard by it, because he doesn't draw attention to... Yeah, he like kind of ignores it. Right. It didn't happen. Like, it'll go away. You know, right. ignore it, it'll go away. It didn't happen. I'm mm-hmm. not even going to acknowledge it. Because if he does acknowledge it, it could potentially just even you know, balloon into something yeah. else. I thought that was really important to... It kind of lays the groundwork for what we're going to see at the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Where we have a little bit of a blow up. But the story that we're going to be feeding Aunt Marge here is that Harry is not in fact at a wizarding school. Nope. Nope. There's <laughs> no such thing. Time. Because there's no such thing. He is currently enrolled at St. Brutus's <laughs> Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys. Let's see what the acronym for that would be. S-B-S-C-I-C-B. S-B-S-C-I-C-B. Yeah, that's too long. Nah. We work in education. We're great at acronyms. There's a new acronym that comes out every day. Yeah. Seemingly. Yeah. And they're I all, don't bother. I'm just like, yeah. They're all very name. helpful and very meaningful. And we all need to memorize all of them. No. 
Oh, okay. I refuse, refuse to acknowledge them. So another new twist that we see on Harry's personality here, something that he would not have tried, I don't think, in the last two books. Jessica, we get a little blackmail. Yeah, see, that's the one that stuck out for me. Now that you mention it, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, he was kind of talking back. I think maybe in previous books that was more like inner thought. Mm -hmm. Like he wouldn't say it out loud, mm -hmm. but we still heard him mm -hmm. think it. Um, so I guess it didn't catch me. I wasn't quite as off guard by that or hung up on that. But when he started to pull this blackmail scheminess, mm -hmm. of course, I immediately felt like, oh, he learned that from Hermione. That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> right next to blackmail, I said, learning from Hermione? <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. I wrote Hermione-ish behavior. Mm. <laughs> but, um... At the same time, like, you know, she's not really known for blackmail, but she does... Oh, she's she's she, low-key, like, kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's observant, and she knows she is what she needs to say to get what And you can send your hate mail to me at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. But Hermione, in these first couple books, we bring she's it up a lot. She's very observant. She's very observant and uses that to her advantage quite a bit and usually for the greater good yes however girl's got a little you know bad streak in her that i think when she when she gets older she's gonna be somebody that you don't want to mess with <laughs> <laughs> because she can be vindictive uh she is she smart as heck right where she your will, weak spots she are she will break you down and find out how she can hurt you <laughs> well she already knows yeah she's just saving that information she's like batman she just you come into a room and she looks at everything that she can do to... She notices every character flaw, every physical flaw that she could use to her advantage if she needs to. She's not just going to do it just because, no. but... Just filing it away for future uh -huh. reference. Actually, there was, yeah, there was a, uh, a really good Justice League comic series where Batman has in his computer, you know, behind firewalls and stuff like that, ways to defeat every other member of the Justice League in case they ever go rogue. And then I think Ra's al Ghul gets a hold of this and takes down the Justice League and the Justice League gets Could mad. Could he just remember it? <laughs> and why has he got to put it in his computer? I don't know. I, I think mean, Batman's got a pretty good memory. I don't know. He's had a lot of concussions, though. All there. right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he's probably going to have... Somebody could, like, mind wipe him, too, or something. Yeah, some post-concussion syndrome, I'm sure. The dude gets, like, hit, like, every night. Yeah. So, it, it the, the they end up defeating Ra's al Ghul, but then he gets... Uh, Batman gets kicked out of the... Actually, he quits before he can get kicked out of the Justice of League. He because they probably would have let him... They probably would have let him stay in, but the fact that people question his tactics, he didn't like that... But he knows in, he knows that in case one of these real powerful people goes off the rails, which they tend to do in stories like that, that he needs to be prepared. And I think Hermione's kind of the the same way. She's always prepared. She'd be a great Girl Scout. Yes. But she'd probably want to join the Boy Scouts. Just yeah, because so they she do could, cooler things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. She's like, I'm not selling cookies. I want to sell candy bars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Popcorn. So uh, tell tell us about the blackmail. What what was what were the conditions of well, the blackmail here? 
Harry, having learned from Hermione, saw an opportunity here. Vernon wants something from me, and I want something from him. Mm-hmm. We can come, love. He wants we to can, be love. No, no, is that it? we can come to an arrangement. So he says he kind of. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Gosh, it was awful, kind of, kind of awful of him. But he's like, um, if you want me to say I go to that what's it Saint what's it school, mm-hmm. like he couldn't even remember mm-hmm. the name. I don't know how I'm gonna do all this. But I guarantee I'll try real hard if you sign my form to go to Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. And Vernon has no idea, you know, what Hog- he's, yeah. he's talking about or anything like that. And instead of just agreeing to it, which I thought was kind of weird, Vernon says that, well, we'll see how you do, and I'll grade your performance. And if your performance is good, then I'll sign your letter. I kind of, that kind of, Rub me the wrong way because what's stopping Vernon from just not? Oh yeah, signing you know, it? he has every intention of not signing it. He's end. like, you think you're gonna manipulate me, but really, I'm gonna get what I want, and you're still not gonna get what you want. So Harry goes along with the plan, though he hides all signs of weirdness and all signs of magic, including sending Hedwig to the Weasleys. Now that Errol's Feeling better from his concussion. <laughs> he only gets a couple hours sleep, just a nice long nap. What you're not supposed to do after a concussion. That's it's different for owls. Oh, okay. Owls are supposed to sleep because they're nocturnal. Up. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I just agreed, and I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Yep. But nope. I'm going with just it. Just go with it. So Hedwig is is not real happy about this, but. Mm-hmm. I think Hedwig realizes that if Harry Harry wouldn't do this unless it was absolutely necessary, and Hedwig and Ar- and Hedwig can keep an eye on Errol, <laughs> make sure he makes it that back. he makes it back uh, to well, the Weasley abode. And it was I don't know that part kind of irked me too because he was like, "Don't look at me like that. I have to do this." And I was and I was all for it. I was like, "Yes, he has to do this. He has to send her away. It's only going to cause problems." But then I don't know just the way he kind of justified it he was like because i want to be able to go to hogsmeade and i was like oh well but i don't know it just didn't seem like a good enough reason to send like, oh so away. you can go gallivanting around on the weekend yeah and play with your friends instead of hanging yeah and it, i don't know it just it came off weird i got you so aunt marge arrives and she as you alluded to earlier is the female version of uncle vernon all the way down to the mustache yes well <laughs> minor mustache but yes not quite as fancy as his. And Marge immediately eggs on Harry. I mean, she's rude from Jump Street. Like, right away. Even, it really is so frustrating reading this because she's so mean. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to meet meaner, fe- particularly female characters <laughs> later on in the story. <laughs> but even when Harry just says yes... You know, she accuses him of being ungrateful. She, when Harry tries to do a friendly smile, she accuses him of smirking at her. He's overly trying to be overly respectful and pleasant with this woman. And she takes every action that he does in a negative way. And it's so, it was so frustrating reading it. And when, well, Patini told him to get ready 
And um, I like that line too, where he was like, "I'm not gonna bother doing anything with my hair." Marge loves to make to, to make fun of me yeah. and pick. This will be this another. Be, she'll be happy. This will be a way, another way for me to make her. This happy. This is a present to her, <laughs> to to give her something to ridicule on my and birthday. <laughs> give her the present of ridiculing my nappy hair. Yes. And Harry is is in this chapter is basically just becoming increasingly frustrated and he's got a, a device that he's using like an internal device that he's using to help him kind of refocus his mind so he doesn't explode and talk about what he does he he pulls another Hermione-ish behavior out and and thinks about his book mm -hmm. it happens to be the one to the what is it called? It was, it was the, bro like, the broomstick care. Oh yeah, broomstick manual. care guide. It's like mm -hmm. I was stuck on how to. It's not a how to book, but yeah, the care guide for his broomstick. And so he apparently had spent time reading it the night before, and he kind of just re went over everything in his head. It was like, almost like if he was studying for a test on it. He was going by step by step, what what to do next, and what to do for this, and and but it was giving him like a glazed over look. Mm -hmm. Because Which, the, the wheels were turning in his head, he was really having to focus to avoid blowing up mm -hmm. on Marge because she just gets increasingly nasty. And then even when we add alcohol to the to the end of the chapter, that just makes her, you know, in, increasingly uh, inebriated. And and then she kind of lets down all her inhibitions, anything that she may have been holding back or any feelings she may have been holding back in the chapter yeah. to that point well like we said she's staying for weeks so this is we get like the highlights mm -hmm. of the whole week so this is going on and on and on and so harry is like you said you can only take it for so long it just, the first it, day he was like i can do this mm -hmm. i'm gonna smile i'm gonna say yes and i'm gonna answer her questions but by the end of the chapter we're on to the last night so he's been dealing with this for a week. It reminded me of devices that people use. I, I've heard of people that are suffer from like PTSD, that if they feel like they're they're kind of having an episode, I'm, I'm probably going to sound ignorant here because I, I don't understand the severity of of the the malady, but they will count 10 blue things in a room or something like that and that will help them kind of refocus their mind and kind of you know rewire their thoughts and and kind of pull themselves away from a bad place it, it just kind of reminded me of of little devices and stuff you know you've heard people like count count backwards from 10 you know take five deep breaths but there's even more uh, psychological studies that have been done to prove that things like this work mm -hmm. and it is working up to a point so it, Harry is almost made it through the whole week <laughs> with Marge he's he's doing pretty good all things considered yes but what happens when Marge's insults go in a different direction and they turn to Harry's parents which is a very sore subject for him yes this also kind of caught me too. I was there earlier in the week. She does mention Harry's mom, mm -hmm. 
And I think we get a little bit more of a reaction out of it when she starts talking about... She, she breeds bulldogs. Right. We kind of skimmed that part, but she breeds bulldogs. Yep. So she's looking at it as a breeder standpoint. Right. And she's saying, you know, it, if it's, it's bad blood, it's bad genes, it's mm-hmm. not... She was saying it wasn't Vernon's fault that... He, he can't fix Harry. Yeah, it's he's just, rot- he's rotten just on rotten. the insides. And the dog references, the comments on bad breeding. Yeah. yeah. And and Harry does react to his her bad mouthing his mom, but on the final dinner she takes it over and bad, starts bad mouthing his dad. Mm-hmm. And Vernon kind of jumps on this too. He's like, "Oh yeah, he didn't have a job. He was unemployed, no mm-hmm. good, worthless." And it kind of keeps going from there. And that's when Harry really can't take it anymore. And I was kind of, I don't know, I was just kind of, I know how boys and their dads are, but I was a little sad that, you know, it, it had to go, once we got to dad, now all bets are off. We can't control ourselves. But mom, she was talking bad about mom before. It could be too, it may not be exactly what you're thinking. It could be that he had been so worn down yeah. at that point that he did not, when... When Marge was talking about his mom, maybe he still had a little bit of gas left in the tank to, to kind of control himself. But by the time we we broke down everything and, and got to his dad, Harry's on empty. He's got no nothing to nothing left in order to contain himself. So it could be a mix of both. I was just thinking more like from the writing standpoint. I think sure. I would have liked it if she had held the mom bashing back and just done them both at the same time mm-hmm. or you know she could have used the breeding references and alluded to it but not gone so far as to specifically say well his mom was bad and so therefore he's bad you know just mm-hmm. saying oh it's bad blood bad lines bad genes mm-hmm. but not actually pull his mom specifically out and point to her until the very end where they start bashing both parents sure. i don't know i just would think i would have liked that more and Harry, at this point, is just trying to survive the visit. And as we mentioned a second ago, he's almost there. But then the wine and the brandy. The brandy. The sailor say brandy, you're a fine What a good wife you would be. <laughs> Start flowing. Just a little bit. Give me just a little bit. Just a little nip. Just a little nosh. More than that. Nope. More than that. Nope. Keep it coming. Oh, we're good. There we go. And then I'm going to quickly As down it's this. Spilling and it's, over the. And it's refill top. time. And the insults start coming fast and furious. And the more alcohol that Marge imbibes in, it's really building to a crescendo here. We're building to a boiling point. So. Kind of, uh, I, you talked a little bit about it a second ago, but how did the insults of Harry's parents become more personal? What did, what, what were some of the comments that were made that, uh, sp- particularly about his dad? Yeah, uh, she she was, Marge was fishing for more things to insult Harry about, and she's, well, what did what did his dad do again? And that's when Vernon was like, uh, he was unemployed. And that was Vernon's way of, of thinking that he's. Saving, yeah, because he couldn't say what. Right. I don't even know if he knows what. Sure. Harry's dad really did for a living, because it right. was wizard related, so how, he wouldn't even want to know. But inadvertently, Vernon makes it worse mm-hmm. by saying that he was unemployed. That makes Marge think that 
that James Potter was even more of a lowlife than she originally thought. So Vernon thought that he was kind of, oh, changing the subject. Uh, We we don't even need to talk about his job because he didn't even have one. Yeah. But for Marge, that's just more ammo for her. Mm -hmm. So it finally gets to the point where Harry snaps. Oh, well, yes. She said that he, you know, just called him a lowlife, Mm -hmm. called him useless. And he says... She says that he, oddly enough, she said that they often got themselves killed in a car accident, Mm -hmm. and he was probably drunk. Right, which is a a little hypocritical. She's sloshing it down. He's probably drunk. He's probably drunk that got killed in car. Yeah, who would do that? In car. Yep, I wrote uh, accusing Dad of of drunk driving during the car crash, which Mm -hmm. uh, this, this lady... Man. <laughs> yeah, and Harry's just like, that's it, I can't, you, you're sitting there, completely smashed, trying to say that my dad died in a drunk, because uh, he was drunk in a car accident, and that's not even what happened, they were murdered, first of all. I don't know what this says about J.K. Rowling, but she writes evil women really well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she had somebody in her life that she draws from when she's writing these characters, but I get, and to her credit, that's what it's supposed to do, but I get so angry about some of these characters, and some of the characters we haven't even met yet, I only know from the movies, mm-hmm. but these these evil, particularly the evil women, <laughs> are so much more, in my point, or from my point of view, they're, they're so much more evil than the than even Voldemort. Just because they will hurt you not just on a physical level, they will hurt you on an emotional level. And <laughs> credit to her because I hate Aunt Marge, <laughs> but I'm supposed to yes not like Aunt Marge, right? Right. Okay. So I didn't I didn't know if the writer in you kind of noticed. Notices notices that too, or do you have somebody that you draw on when you write about evil women? <laughs> somebody in your life, maybe somebody that uh, uh, you, you've had some experiences uh, with uh, youth basketball, where you were bitten or something like that. <laughs> I was actually. It's like I was. Oh yeah, I was bit. Just too bitten. <laughs> okay, I was just. Checking. I was bitten, clawed, up, just knocked down repeatedly. Yeah. But Marge's tirade against Harry, there, there, there is a something that kind of flies under the radar a little bit. The glass breaking, yeah, in Marge's hand. They don't really say that Harry did that. Marge kind of even says like, "Oh, I've done that before. I guess I was squeezing too hard or something like that." But we are to assume that that was Harry with a little, and I think they even mentioned in the chapter that. Normally, I'm able to. I've been able to control. Yeah, it's been a long time since random I've stuff like that slipped happened. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess he's so worked up emotionally, um, and especially being a 13 year old boy, there's all kinds of you know things flow, uh, <laughs> you know, changing with Harry right now that are probably you know that might be affecting his ability to control his magic as well. I mean, there could be other things that we don't even that aren't even mentioned in the book. But the big interruption comes with from Marge's tirade against Harry. What happens to Marge that interrupts everything and 
kind of catches the family off guard. We have a little bit of a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory Yeah, I mean, and situation. He, I kind of really liked that part because Harry was like, oh, she just like, was she, the way he was describing her, she was swelling with frustration and she was just getting bigger and kind of like imposing. Like the Hulk. Like, Dr. Banner, that might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. Like somebody would when they're trying to intimidate someone. Right. You, you kind of puff, puff up your, chest, your yeah. chest and you lean over them. You kind of get up. You want to make yourself look bigger to them. Right. When you see a bear in the and forest, so you seems, make yourself as big as possible right before they legit. eat you. <laughs> it all seems legit and normal until you get to the, and like, oh, wait, nope. She's blowing up like a balloon. Mm -hmm. This is not all normal yeah. <laughs> posturing behavior. She's legit blowing up like a balloon. Yeah. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I loved the, I'm going to, at the very end, I'm going to talk about the imagery in this. Because I don't remember this scene from the movies, but the, the words and the prose were so, put such a, a picture in my head of what was happening. And I, I, I'm not even reading the illustrated edition right now because I kind of, I did that a little bit with the Chamber of Secrets mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like that was putting the images in my head rather than me concocting them myself and I wanted to kind of see if that matched that's why I like watching the movies at the end seeing if the picture in my head matches the the movie on the screen but the the imagery of that was really was really really powerful I thought uh, speaking of the bear in the woods thing you know they say to like you make yourself as big as possible mm -hmm. doesn't that just entice the bear more that the dinner will be that much better <laughs> no i would want to make myself as small as possible you don't want to eat me i'm i'm barely a snack <laughs> no the idea is it's not worth the fight if you're if you look like you're gonna put up a fight mm -hmm. and be difficult to take down if you're gonna be a difficult meal then it's not so worth bears it. are looking for the easy prey mm-hmm I wonder how many Most... people, how many people have ended up getting eaten by bears. <laughs> like uh, the forensics come back. Yeah, he tried to make himself look as big as possible <laughs> right before he got eaten. I don't think forensics can tell that. This is 2019, Jess. They can do a lot. Oh, I'm just saying. Okay. So when when all this is happening, we've got uh, Aunt Marge doing the. Uh, I forget which character from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory it was. Was it was it Violet Beauregard? And she's the one that turns to the big purple thing. Is it purple violet? Is that why? I don't turned, know. I didn't you know what I'm like talking about? No, I didn't like Charlie well, and the Chocolate Factory. She turns to the big like purple bubble and. Ring, ring, and ring all day long. The way that a cow does. The Oompa Loompas have to. It's too weird for me. Eventually, like drain the. <laughs> stuff out of her. Ew. It's pretty weird. It's pretty weird It's too stuff. weird for me. What if I told you Johnny Depp gets to play dress yeah, up? Yeah, I know. You I like know. that? Nope. Okay. So Harry Still grabs his magical gear and he backs out of the house with the family at one point. <laughs> and it just it reminded me, I immediately thought of Pam from The Office when they were playing the murder mystery <laughs> game. And she's got the fake guns in her hands. I didn't do it! I'm not going down for this! <laughs> she backs out of the room. Start the car. Start the car. <laughs> Keys are in my purse. And Harry's gone. He's, yeah. he's I'm done. And, and I was kind of like, 
he had this all mapped out in his head, like exactly what mm-hmm. steps to take. Yeah. Like get the trunk, open the open the lock, get the trunk, get the stuff from the door. Yeah. He floor, had he had, a, he, he had his go had like a go bag. Right? Yeah. He had a plan. Seemingly. He had a, an escape plan in place. So for the second book in a row, Harry's exit from the house is Has not gone smoothly. N- not not the way you would have anticipated it going. No. There is no just oh September's here. Drive me to the train station. I'm going back to school. It's See I'm ya. I'm locked in my room forever. So my friends and their chitty chitty bang bang flying car have to rip the bars off the door and. I, I go flying away to the Weasley's place with the, the Dursleys yelling at me. And oh, I, falling out the window. And then I come back over the summer, and I'm trying to survive again. And then I'm, stay back! Stay you back! Know, you know, that might be part of it. After he had to escape from them, and, and he, like, Vernon, like, fell out the window. I think there's kind of no pretending that mm. I'm submissive and we're we've got this relationship going on. Mm. So it's kind of like... No, no reason to keep no up reason airs to, yeah. at this point. It's, we can't even fake it anymore. So uh, just my final thought on the chapter was something I kind of alluded to a second ago. I loved how the chapter was written, how, how I was able to visualize every step of the not only the gradually building frustration in Harry, and, and that's not even particularly said like word for word in this chapter, but I can just see Harry just gradually like tensing up as the week goes on. And I can also see the gradual building up of just mean things that uh, Aunt Marge is saying and doing throughout the week. Well, and, and she's not getting the reaction out of him mm-hmm. that she wants. So she's got to try harder. She's yeah. poking and mm-hmm. it, nothing's happening. So it's almost like, which is kind of the opposite. It's usually what kids do to get reactions out of adults. Although this is the other way around. Yeah. You know, if I'm doing something over here and it's not getting a good enough reaction, I'm going to break this or I'm going to say this mean thing or I'm going to do this behavior until I get that negative attention that I want. But instead of the kid doing it to the adult, which in our experience, 99% of the time is what it is, uh, this time it's the snarky adult doing it to the child. But I loved how it just you could just feel it building up as the chapter goes on. And I kept flipping pages and I kept saying, this is going to keep going. This is going to keep going. I kept waiting for it to end. And just the meanness and the, the bullying was just eventually going to come to a crescendo. But it just kept building and building and building. And then... Finally, thank goodness the chapter ended before I just couldn't take this lady anymore. <laughs> She's just so mean. So that's all I had for that chapter. Any other thoughts you want to put about chapter two? Um, just movie related. Uh, you know, we don't get the full week in the movie. I don't even think they bother. I think it just is kind of like the one day visit. Mm-hmm. But they hit the important parts. Um, but you don't get that build-up like you were talking about in the movie because mm-hmm. there's no way to say, oh, she was here for a week and hit this scene, hit this scene, hit this scene. So they just kind of do the final scene. And But I kind of can't believe you can't remember it because it's pretty close and it's pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it, was, it was a long time ago. I mean, I, I think, you know, even like down to the tweed suit and the buttons and all of it is mm-hmm. there. 
Yeah, I just like, like I said, I, it's it's very vague, and every time I start to kind of visualize it in my head, I just go back to Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate <laughs> Factory. <laughs> so uh, once we get through this book, I'll be able to see it again. Yeah, watch it. All right, uh, so that's Chapter 2, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We get a little bit of tease without giving too much away, although most of the people that have listened are listening to this podcast have probably already read the books 37 times like you. Yeah. But we do get a little bit of tease when we're talking about prisoners in the title, and we're also talking about prisoners at the beginning of this chapter escaping. And it turns out that British television, in this case, is not, in fact, racist. Or at least not as racist as you thought. At least if they are, they're undercover (laughs) racist. Uh, You're flipping through the book. Is there something else you wanted to say before we wrap up? Nope, I just wanted to see the picture for the next chapter. Sounds good. So, that was chapter two, Aunt Marge's big mistake. And her big mistake was messing with Harry. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pushing him over the edge. Yep. And now she is floating uh, above the room. Now, what did she pop or no? That's that she gets they stuck just in leave the it chimney at that, or floating in the room okay. in the book. So she's it's now it's a little different in the movies. She's going to be the Dursley chandelier from now on. Yeah, I guess yeah. It must be a pretty high ceiling because it said that Vernon grabbed her foot and and got lifted off the ground, mm-hmm. and then her dog. Him. Well, I don't know if you know, but Vernon Dursley has a very successful uh, drill-making business. Yes. So they probably a... are pretty hashtag blessed. Oh, so probably they have probably pretty... have like vaulted ceilings and... Yeah. I love that, that Vernon did get bit by the dog, though. <laughs> so that made me feel a little better. A little better. <laughs> at the end of the chapter. And like his tattered, bloody leg was limping along, you know, going after okay. Harry and, as Harry was backing out of the room. But that was uh, Aunt Marge's big, big Mistake, Chapter 2 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show or comments or questions. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the air. You can send those to us at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever podcast platform you use. And the next time we see you, we are going to be on the night bus. Yes. I believe. Not a big fan of the night bus. Oh. You even like Harry Potter or should we keep doing is this the last episode of the podcast or? I love Harry Potter. Okay. I love Hogwarts. I'm just not a fan of the night bus. Hmm. Okay. You're more of a day bus uh, person? You're more more of a Hogwarts Express kind of gal. Yeah. I'd rather take the Amtrak than the Greyhound. Yeah. You're a higher class lady. You probably like to get like your own uh, little sliding room, like sliding door room, and one with the sleeper in it, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And like, just leave leave the treat cart here. I'll I'll take it all. You're a higher class kind of lady. Can't uh, be caught riding the the Greyhound night bus. No. But that's what we'll be tackling next time here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Until then, I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye.